Every day I'm chasing something different. Every day the way I operate is totally different and it's not about the product for me as much as it is about the process. And what I mean about the process, the process saved my life. You see, my mother had me when she was 15 years old, right? Over on the east side of Atlanta, we came up in this neighborhood by the name of Kirkwood, drug dealer on every corner, gang members in the neighborhood, two bedroom home, 14 people, used to sleep on the floor. Got the opportunity to sleep in the bed one time out of the week. It was six of us in the bed, three at the foot, three at the head. And I came up with this dream pretty quick. I said, man, I want to go to the NFL because I had eight uncles in that house, all eight of which are still going in and out of prison. And so pretty quick, I said, man, I want to go to the NFL. And so I went to my big cousin tomorrow one night. I said, man, listen, I want to go to the NFL. And so we got to work for this thing. So the thing we're going to do every night, we're going to be patient. We're going to engage in consistent action. Every night, we're going to race light pole to light pole with no shoes. So every night we would get out in the street, race light pole to light pole. One night a coach came down the street, he signed me and my cousins up for organized sports, right? First time being in organized sports, we get in organized sports. The thing was, after practice, everybody would leave to go home. And I always had to sit on the bench and wait on my mother because she worked that way. And so when my mother would show up in the park, it would be about 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night. So I'm sitting there and when my mother would pull up, she drove an old Buick Regal, hubcaps off the car, seats torn up, the car was all beat up. And she would pull up in the park 10.30 at night. I would jump off the bench. I would sprint over to my mother. I would say, Mom, if you don't mind, can you please sit back in your car and turn on your car lights? I have to do some extra drills. I have to go to the NFL. She would never have to work another day in your life. And I knew my mother was tired. And every night, my mother would sit back in that car, and those car lights would hit that field. And he had a seven-year-old kid doing back drills, running sprints, running laps, chasing his dream to go to the NFL. But just beyond those car lights, I could always connect with my mother's eyes, so it made me dig a little bit deeper, it made me push myself a little bit further, it made me work a little bit harder. It created a certain level of sweat equity in what I was doing. It created a certain level of pride in what I was doing. You know why people quit? People don't have pride in what they do. You know why people stop? They're selfish and it's just about them. But when you have a bigger purpose to why you're doing what you're doing and you want to honor the sacrifices that others have made for you, it's nothing for you to keep going when you hit adversity. If every decision and choice you make is just about you, at a certain point you're going to hit something that's a lot tougher than you that's going to make you quit because you don't have a driving force for why you do what you do. But when I got up to the University of Tennessee, it was simple. It was simple for me to give everything I had. My freshman year, I played special teams. My sophomore season, I broke the star lineup, had a really strong sophomore season. The summer heading into my junior year, I still remember the day where I was sitting in our film room and I was watching film on the California Bears. My defensive backs coach, Larry Slade, came in the room. He said, Inky, I got some good news for you. I dropped the click. I said, what is it? He said, man, you're projected top 30 draft pick, son. He said, all you have to do is play the next 10 football games. You're an automatic multimillionaire. I went out of the room. I called my mother and my grandmother on the three-way. I said, after this season, there will be no more struggle. I said, we would never miss another meal. I said, we would never experience another Christmas where we have to stand on the side of the curb and just be grateful. Now, I hung it up. First football game, I went out, played great, got an interception, shut Cal down. Second game, we're playing against Air Force, got late in the game, fourth quarter. Guy dropped back, he threw the ball to a receiver coming out my sideline. Me and the guy, we went head on. Soon as I hit the guy, I felt as if every breath of my body left. Body went completely limp, fell to the ground, I blacked out. Never happened to me before. When my eyes opened, I'll never forget, my teammates ran over, they said, Ain't get up, let's go. I said, I can't. I said, I can't move. He said, what do you mean you can't move? You're out lockdown corner, man, we need you, let's go. I said, I know, man, but this time I can't move. I flipped my head up to the sky, I said, God. I said, surely nothing is happening in this moment that can alter my life. 
They got me over to the hospital. They took me back. They ran CAT scans. They brought me back into my room. And all in a 15-second time frame, the doctor came running in from the opposite side. He said, hey, get in there. We got to rush this guy back to emergency surgery. He's about to die. I said, what? He said, son, you have busted up the clavian artery in your chest. You're bleeding internally. We have to rush you back, take the main vein out of your left leg, plug it into your chest in order to save your life. When I opened my eyes from recovery, the same doctor was over me. He said, son, has some good news and some bad news for you. I said, you got some bad news for me? I have to tell him I was about to die. I'm still alive. How bad can it get? I'm still here. He said, the good news is we saved your life. I said, thank you, sir. He said, the bad news is, Inc., you have nerve damage in your right shoulder. I said, okay, cool. He said, but son, it's a strong possibility that you probably can never play the game of football again in your life. I said, no way. I said, no disrespect to you, Doc, but I've been working for this ever since I was seven years old. I said, no disrespect to you, Doc, but you wasn't in the park with me and my mother when I was seven years old and she was sending that Buick Riga after she got done working at Wendy's. No disrespect to you, Doc, but you didn't come up in that two-bedroom home, 14 people sleeping on the floor. No disrespect to you, Doc, but you didn't miss those meals and stay focused and never made an excuse. I never cheated. I never cheated. Like my conscience still until this day won't let me, like I can't cheat. I can't look myself in the mirror and say, Ink, you did a good job knowing that I cheated. I can't cheat. One of the greatest pieces of advice that my mother gave me was this, son, whenever you start, you make sure you finish it. And the problem with the world today, people get involved with things and if they don't like a certain person, if they don't like the process, if it's not what they thought it was, they quit. And what they don't understand about quitting, quitting becomes a habit that doesn't just affect you. Later on in life, when you get a wife and you get some kids or you get a family, it's going to come back to hunt you and it will one day affect them. That is why I tell you the process is more important than the product. It's not even about the outcome for me. It's about can you take pride in what you do as an individual and every night when you look in the mirror, knowing that you gave everything you had to it. And we have to get to the point where we're willing to impose our will on certain things. Impose your will on it. My life totally changed. And they gave me an opportunity to stop. And most people, when you give them an opportunity to stop while they're chasing something, they take advantage of it because they feel as if, man, why did this have to happen to me? I felt as if, why not me? This is the perfect opportunity to use this to be a blessing to somebody else. And you know what? It's not even about me to be truthful. It's not even about me. Now it's about repaying the people that invested in me and saw something in me when I couldn't see it in myself. At a certain point in life, it can't just be about you. And the moment that we understand that and every day we wake up, we understand that life is a blessing and life is a gift. And if you were to check out today, how would you want to be remembered? It's bigger than you. GlobalRecon.net, giving you the matter of facts. Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. Great episode for you guys today. I had Tim from the Veterans Project. He's a frequent guest and co-host of the podcast. He was on. And then we also had G from Zulu Foxtrap back on the podcast. It's been a while. And uh, G has a lot going on, as always. And... um He's doing some great work with Zero Films Productions, and they got some really cool stuff planned for the future, uh, an event that'll take place uh, this year. Um, I'm hoping to contribute as much as I can to it. Him and Tim Kozak are working on it with support from other people. They don't want to put too much out there yet, as some of the details and things have to get uh, set in stone and that sort of thing, so... 
it was a great podcast. We talked about the transition, uh, you know, what it takes to get out and to succeed, get out of the military and succeed in the civilian world and, and to succeed at business and the mindset that you need. And um, G shared a story with us from his one of his deployments to Iraq. He has two rotations into Iraq, one to Fallujah, one to Ramadi. And it was really when those were the da- most dangerous places on the planet. Uh, so he has a ton of stories and he was able to share one with us. And then um, what Tim focuses on with the Veterans Project is the reintegration aspects of uh, being a soldier being a Marine, being an airman, being a sailor. And he kind of hits on that with his veterans project. And, uh, you know, after G told the story, Tim kind of hammered some of that. And G had some very, very interesting responses to the questions that Tim had for him. So um, I know I announced on previous podcasts on social media posts that we were going to start releasing articles in February. I have my team of writers, very solid, uh, from different branches, different experiences. You guys are really going to appreciate the perspective that these people are going to bring. And um, so the only holdup is now I have certain parts of my website is getting updated and it's going to be more efficient, more effective. I'm waiting for that to be completed. And once that's done, then we're going to go ahead and start releasing these articles on a consistent basis. Um, and And that'll take maybe a month or so. So once that's done, a whole nother aspect, uh, a whole nother kind of playing field is going to be opened up with the writing side of uh, Global Recon. So with that being said, now I'm going to play the conversation that I had with Tim Kozak from the Veterans Project and G from Zulu Fox Shop. What is up, guys? We have a good group of guys on here. Um, back on the podcast is Tim Kozak from the Veterans Project. Tim been co-hosting, so you guys been hearing a lot of him. And then we also have G from Zulu Foxtrot back on the podcast. G was on a couple episodes uh, last year. What's up, guys? What's up, my dude? What's going on, what's, man? What's up, brother? Good to be back, man. All right, cool. So we, we got a couple of things to talk about. Um, you guys, uh, the Veterans Project... And Zero Films Productions, with G, which G is, uh, you know, he pushes that and, and he has a lot to do with the uh, direction and, and what they do there. And uh, you guys were at an event, a veterans event, and it was it was pretty cool. There were some cool people there. And then, you know, you guys got some projects uh, that's for down the line that we hope to kick off. And I would like to, you know, help out as much as I can. Um but before we talk about some of that, G, can we just quickly talk about your background? And then Tim will also quickly talk about your background before we get into it. Uh, yeah, of course, man. So to keep it pretty sh- pretty short, man. So I I, uh, I was in the Marines. I did four years in the infantry. I enlisted when I was 17. Uh, and I did two combat tours in Iraq. My first tour was in Fallujah. The second one was in Ramadi. And then after that, I got out, you know, got out of the military and uh, just kind of started pursuing different, uh, different jobs. And now I own uh, Zero Foxtrot and uh, Zero Films Productions. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of the short version of me, man. Cool. And, and Tim, you, you served in the Army. 
Yes, I was in the uh, Texas Army National Guard actually for six years. Um, I was in the middle of actually a pretty uh, successful college baseball career, and I got deployed to Iraq. Um, and once, and I came back and finished my two years of baseball up. Uh, started my master's degree, and that is where I started the Veterans Project. Uh, G had the hard deployment, so <laughs> we'll be clear on that. <laughs> all right, cool. So, all right, cool. So, you know, what you guys are doing is, I, I obviously, I think it's awesome. Um, you know, from G, from not, you know, G, Zulu Foxtrot, you know, they are a business and they, you know, they sell products. But what's really cool about what G does on social media and, and what he's doing now with Zero Films is, you know, it isn't kind of fluff. It's more serious stuff. He does a lot of highlighting of veterans from past wars, uh, Vietnam, Korean War, and and it's really cool stuff. It's deep stuff, and G has a pretty big following on social media as a result of that. Um, and then you guys kind of hooked up, and and now you guys are working on some stuff, right? Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, man. You uh, go ahead and take it, yeah. G. Oh, okay. Uh. Okay, yeah, so let me see where I can – so we did the uh, Remind the Nation event. Um, so we went out there to showcase our very first project, which was called uh, Stack Deck Journey with Sky Trooper, which talked about the uh, story of a Vietnam door gunner. And, uh, and then we had Tim from the Veterans Project who was doing uh, all of his portraits from OIF and OEF and telling their stories. So everything went pretty well. It was, you know, a lot of – like you mentioned, a lot of great guys out there. Um, you know, it was – it turned out to be a very good event. And, um, basically, you know, I spoke with Tim, you know, we, we hit each other up and, uh, we decided to, you know, we're like, Hey dude, we're actually on the same page on a lot of things that we're doing, which is telling the story of veterans, you know, telling these stories so they don't get lost in time. Um, and, uh, you know, with that in mind, we talked about a lot of things and, uh, we decided to, you know, work on some projects and, uh, one that we are currently working on, which I won't give too many details away. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a world war two event. Um, and, uh, basically what we are trying to do is to, we're gathering world war two veterans to come out to this event and be there and, and for people to see and, and talk to them and, uh, you know, kind of make them understand that, dude, these guys, there are not many left. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, I want to say that almost 372 World War II veterans die every year. And with that number, there is not a lot of them that are left. And, you know, it, and I feel that it's kind of, I wouldn't say our duty, but our, our, our job to you know, to preserve these stories and to tell these stories so people can understand why we live in a free country, even though some people don't don't believe that some people don't believe that we live that the United States is a free country because you see all the protests and all the all the other good stuff, you know, but it is a free country. You can go anywhere in the world. You would not. It's not the United States, man. It's completely different. So and there is a price that has been paid. And uh, and I feel that um, throughout the years, as time goes on, people tend to forget that. And that's what we're trying to do is to, you know, showcase these stories, um, you know, and bring them to light, you know, where every person, all these men and women that have served, they're a part of what America is all about. So, um, that's kind of, you know, 
what we're planning on doing. And I'm so glad that we got on board. And we also have other people on board, which, you know, we don't want to mention just yet. And since we're working all the details, but uh, uh, it's it's going to be an incredible thing. We're definitely honored that we can do this. And we're, you know, we have the, the capabilities of doing this. And, um, you know, we'll definitely continue to do it. And like I said, I love what Tim does with his projects uh, and the personal dedication that he uh, that he puts through it to capture these stories. He doesn't have to do it. You know, he can just live his life and, 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 and do whatever he wants. But he does this and uh, and he does it on his own. And that's just something that I have the tremendous respect for. And, and it was just a no brainer to, to work with him on this and, uh, and hopefully to work on many other projects. So, you know, and, and one of the interesting things for me, G was, you know, when I went out there originally to this event and I met, uh, you know, JR who's not on right now, but JR is, you know, obviously a big piece of what you guys do. Um, you know, when I met JR Phillips and, 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 you know, I, I was very anti-collaboration because obviously I have my own vision on what I want to do with the project and all that and, and how I want to touch it. And so I kind of, when I get into that space with other artists, I kind of get like almost defensive because I'm like, why is this guy doing this? You know, like what's, what's his motive? Because I'm so passionate about what I do and I love these guys uh, so much. That was really crazy. I had done this World War II story just recently. It was my first guy I'd covered that wasn't OIF, OEF. And it really connected me to you guys because I get out there and there's just this immediate connection to JR. And it's like, man, I feel like I've known this guy my whole life. And sure enough, you know, we're pursuing this same passionate path. And, um, and, and it, it was just beautiful. We came together and in this space and, and it was awesome because here I am telling this world war two veteran story, uh, for the first time and, you know, getting outside of OIF, OEF. And I see you guys telling the story of a Vietnam door gunner. And it's not so much the actual war and combat experience that made me emotional about what he'd done, but the reintegration aspect of, you know, coming back to America and, and the things he faced and the trials and tribulations and that is what connected to me, bro, because as the Veterans Project, I'm so big on the reintegration side of things. And so I was like, man, these guys are doing uh, what I'm doing through a different medium, and it's beautiful. And and not only that, but it's cool when you can come into a space and you just have this mutual you know, agreement where you come together and you feel like you're following the same path. You feel like brothers. Um, and that connecting factor was just awesome, awesome. for me. It was great. Great. <clears throat> yeah and it's it's interesting like you, you know you said you guys are doing you're following a similar path and telling stories and you're doing it through a similar medium but different you know tim focuses on the writing and the the photography zero films is doing the videography you know interviews on camera uh you know i personally when I had learned about Zero Films Productions, I, gee, I think we had already done one podcast together. And then at some point after that, maybe it was a couple of months, you had uh, put it together and, you know, made the social media handle and, and officially came out and said, hey, you know, we're going to release this, you know, at this date and time. And I remember thinking, you know, that's badass. And it's it's cool to still see that because... You know, in the veteran community, there is a lot of, obviously, after such a long time of war, you're going to have a lot of people coming home, getting out of the military. And 
you know, with the social media, with the ability to connect to people, a lot of veterans have started businesses and are doing different kinds of things and like kind of have their own movements and that sort of thing. And and you you got everything. You have like the serious, um, you have a lot of tactical stuff, you have um survival stuff, you have mindset stuff, you have kind of uh some of the sillier side, you know, like some of the humor side. And then you have some of the serious stuff, which is what I find more interesting, you know, with uh, what you guys are doing. So, um, you know, it, it's just interesting to see. And and for this event, G, are you guys pushing another project as well, or this would be just like a gathering? Uh, so what I will say on this is that it's an entire new project um, that we're doing specifically for this event. That's the reason why we're doing this event. So uh, so to keep a long story short, we we have several projects in the works. Uh, one of them, it's called Two Stepping with the Reaper, which is uh, talks about a appointment, a Marine appointment in Vietnam. And he's got an incredible story about what he's been through. And that's we're hoping to release that in August. And then we had a World War II veteran. Uh, he served. He was a paratrooper. He served with uh, Easy Company of 101st Airborne. So he was with Band of Brothers, you know, Dick Winters, you know, all, all Bill Gardner, all the big guys. And uh, we interviewed him. And um, as we started working on this on this event and this project, uh, we we said to ourselves, you know, what if we can include, you know, June 6th is coming up, you know. So what if we can include um other veterans you know we you know it's 2017 most of these guys are pushing their 90s you know they're maybe next year none of them are going to be here who knows you know and uh let's do this right now while we can that's kind of what put everything on i wouldn't say put everything on hold but kind of shifted gears and we're trying to make this um, a massive event we are you know we we are trying to you know get all kinds of uh you know and sponsors we're trying to get um you know, all kinds of exposure, media exposure, and because it's ex- to us is extremely important. And one thing that I wanted to touch on based on this and how, you know, John, you were talking about, you've seen all these veterans after a long period of war, now they're starting businesses and doing their own thing. That is awesome because it breaks away the stigma of we're just some broken down PTSD, Paul Pip and fucking suicidal motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, it breaks away that stigma because it's showing that no, no matter what we've been through, we can move on and we can, you know, follow our paths and our passions and our goals. And uh, and this is just more of a uh, of, of an example of, hey, you, you know, people can do we can do this, you know. And it's what I'm seeing is that we're slowly but surely building an actual veteran owned economy, you know, because you might have the guy who's good at. I don't know, with woodworking. Then you got the guy who's good with, you know, metalworking. Then you got the guy who's good with design. You got the guy that's gets creative with, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody, like people are finding, finding their true um, passions and they're following it. You know, that's, that's the important thing. You know, like a lot of guys, at least in my position, I had a really hard time finding jobs and, uh, you know, it just made sense to just say, you know what, I can do a lot more by myself. And that's what I did. You know, uh, a lot of guys, they feel stuck in that rut and uh, they feel that the military is the only thing to have or the only the only thing that they they can have. And it's completely wrong. So um, that's the two pointers that I really want to highlight, especially with zero films and zero Foxtrot and and um, 
you know, with all the other companies, that's the reason why we're doing what we're doing. And it's good to see that we're breaking away that stigma. It's good to see that we're not damaged goods. We're not, you know, just some, you know, some crazed war junkies, you know, just waiting for the next war to happen, you know. Um, and that's what's important, you know. So, um, but yeah, you know. And and John, I'm glad I'm glad G's hitting on that because how many times have we had discussions, John, where I've talked to you about I didn't come into this space looking, you know, it's become one of those things where it's a bu- it's a bridge building uh, project where I'm trying to speak to the civilian side to show them what we're capable of. And it didn't, but it didn't start out that way. You know, I came into the space not knowing too much about the veteran community. You know, when I got out, kind of separated myself from all that. I said, you know, I'm just going to be a, a, I'm just going to be a filthy civvy <laughs> and, uh, and go and do my thing, you know, and like, and, and get my master's degree and then figure out and probably never step back into this veteran space. Ironically enough, um, my hippie professor brings me back into the world of veterans <laughs> and and I start photographing these guys and I start learning some things, man. It's like I expected what I heard, you know, like, man, you know, there's going to be a lot of depressing stories and, and really sad instances. But man, more of what I found with the project is just guys who are doing some badass things, man, like yeah. incredible things like becoming ranch hands after a long ser- you know, service career in the Green Berets, starting your own T-shirt company, you know, off of that, um, you know, uh, Nate Boyer doing all that he's done outside of the community. I mean, I think Nate would be very clear that, you know, he said so many times he's believed he's done more for the community outside than in it. Right. Um, and and so many incredible I, I would say the majority of the stories that I've told and I don't look for guys specifically that are just, you know, kicking butt. Um, I, I, I just find them, man. I just find a lot of winning stories that uh, where these guys are just, you know, doing incredible things. And what it does is it's a testament to the civilian community. And I've had so many civilians off of this last story I did on Justin Bohannon, Staff Sergeant Bohannon and his company, Make a Vet Sweat, that nonprofit, um, where he's giving gym memberships away to, to veterans to, you know, to, to get them in the gym and get them active again. I Things like that, they just have such a huge mark. And I had a civilian comment and say, man, I knew nothing about the infantry and that brotherhood until Justin talked about it. And now I kind of feel like I, not like I can be a part, but like I can understand what you're talking about when you mention the infantry. I'm starting to understand that brotherhood. And that's a beautiful thing right there, man. When they can understand that and get that and see that, um, you know, we'll have more connectors between the two and the ability for the two communities to come together is is really important, you know, in, in order for us to get hired, um, start new jobs, start new occupations. I mean, you know, I, we, we do need to reach across. And, and I think that's one of the awesome things about uh, what we're doing through these stories. Yeah, I, it, it, yep. it's, it's really interesting because, you know, you had past wars some guys, you know, like some people will get out and they'll be happy doing something very simple and living a simple life. And, and that's fine, you know, because they're doing what they want to do. Some guys will get out and they'll struggle a little bit and then they'll kind of find their path, whatever it is. And then some guys will get out and be wildly successful, right? Now, um, this it's interesting because the skills that you learn in the military are very transferable. It's just you have to be a little creative, right? So, 
you know, in the infantry, you know, if you're in a leadership position or even if you're just on a team where you guys are going through difficult situations, you're you're fighting your way out of ambushes and, and, and that kind of thing, just really dangerous stuff where you have to be switched on and you ha- everybody has to buy into the team and, and that sort of thing. The the lessons you learn from that are completely invaluable and 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 that's the reason why you know some of these Fortune 500 companies will pay a green a former Green Beret or a former you know Marine Corps guy to come in and and talk to their top five executives of the company and teach them about team building and and that sort of thing and it, it's interesting because you know. Nothing that's happening now is new, right? Everything's happened before. You just have to know. If, if you don't know about it, you wouldn't know that. So if you just look at history, you can see some of these things and you can see some of these patterns and some of these things repeat itself. Now, I like to read a lot and learn a lot about Eastern philosophy, like, uh, you know, the the samurais and, and that kind of thing. And one of the, like one of the cornerstones of what they believed in which is now known as like Bushido, the warrior code at the time, they didn't call it that, but is having some balance in your life, right? You've, you are a warrior. You've been a warrior. You've been to war. And then now you need to balance that with some kind of serenity, with some kind of art, with some kind of, um, you know, reading poetry at, at the time in Japan, gardening was a big thing. So some guys would be like the baddest swordsman around, and then he'll go home and, and do some gardening, you know? And it's just like something that you wouldn't think about could make all the difference in the world. And it's just, you know, like I said, all of these things have happened before. There were wars that passed and guys came home and struggled a little bit and then figured it out. All these things happen. You just have to know about it and you have to be willing to seek and and uh, willing to learn, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I want actually want to add some things. So you made some awesome points. So... Um, in regards to finding a balance, uh, you're completely right on this. I mean, 100%. And I think uh, what the problem is with our generation, at least from what I've seen or from what I've experienced, it, is that uh, we have to be, you know, the military teach, teaches you to be, you know, 100% one way. That's it. That's that's it. You know what I mean? You're, you, you're not thinking – and this is from a grunt point of view. You're not thinking outside the box. You're – you're, you know, you're driving 110 miles an hour all day, every day. You got to get the mission done. If you're hurting, it doesn't matter. If you're, you know, it's, it's that type of mentality. And um, you don't have a balance, you know. So when you come out, uh, you're completely just off balance. You know, you're trying to use uh, what you learned in the military, all the extremes and everything, and put it in the civilian world, and it doesn't really work. Uh, so in my experience, what happened is when I got out, I was 110 miles an hour, get the mission done, doesn't matter. I don't care who's around me. You know, if I'm hurting, who cares? I don't need help. You know, like the whole, you know, typical, stereotypical mentality of uh, being, you know, being in a, being a, being a veteran. And what has helped me, what I finally figured out after like 10 years of being out has been having a balance. You know, uh, it's okay to, you know, to, to, to have a little bit of everything and not, you know, either have nothing or, or have it all, you know, that zero to a hundred mentality, you know what I mean? It can only work for so many things. And what happened to me using that mentality after a long time, I just burned out. It just doesn't work anymore. And which ties into, you were talking about jobs and everything. Um, 
the guys that are getting out, they sometimes they don't know how to translate those experiences or their skills. And I give you a very broad example. When I started looking for people to hire, uh, 99% of guys that were veterans, I this is this is what I would get. Yeah, I went to Iraq. I shot about eight dudes, and uh, if you need me up, call me. Like I'm like okay, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. It, it, you know, I'm kind of like okay. Well, why don't you translate? Mission accomplishment. I'm dependable. Um, you know, I can, you know, uh, be a leader. I can, you know, things that I like translating those things. And I don't blame them because I did the same shit, you know. And I was sitting there. Oh, they didn't give me a job. You need to give me a job because I'm a vet. When I never looked at the other side, where maybe the way I came off, maybe the things that I, you know, wrote in my resume, maybe didn't come out as clear, or because I was still stuck in that mentality. You expect for civilians to understand you know, what it's like to be on time and, and, uh, you know, being dependable and, and, and getting things done and, you know, have the sense of urgency, like civilians don't know that, you know? So what it's normal for us, it's completely extreme to the regular person. And now we have to adjust to that. And that's what throws us off balance. That's what screws, screws us up. You know what I mean? And, and I went through a lot of periods where, um, you know, I just always felt, that if I didn't succeed 110%, I was a complete failure. Like, there was nothing in between. You know what I mean? And then I slowly started to understand that I need to take steps at a time. It's a, it's okay to have small victories. It's okay to even fail at times, you know? Um, nobody's rushing you. Nobody's judging you. Nobody is going to, you know, your world is not going to collapse because you didn't get this done today, you know? And that's what, so we, we get just spun up. Everything works in the military, but a lot of it doesn't work in the outside world. And uh, and that's where you start seeing, you know, you start filling that void with, you know, drugs and gambling and and whatever other vices that you need to make sense of it all. Um, and uh, so, you know, we, we, in that retrospect, like I said, it's the mindset and the way when guys are getting out, you know, we're not properly programmed to just deal with, with society. You know, I know when I got out, it was like, here's steps and taps, here's your high to ride resumes, your D214, get the hell out. Like I went from, you know, within a span of eight months, I was in a combat zone and then I was working as a waiter, like within eight months, you know, how do you expect to just turn everything off? You don't, you know, and, uh, and that's what guys just, they are just lost. And, um, you know, um, it's, it's hard to find direction, but it's there. And that's why with all these business veterans and, that you know companies and all that that should be more of a proof that things can happen things good things can happen to veterans outside of the military so and one of the things that i that i uh, think that we get wrong so much outside of the community and and nate was you know very clear with me on the project nate boyer uh when i was covering him one of the things that he kept saying to me was like we we don't realize how many uh, skills we have until we get out. And those skills are the things that make us industrious, those leadership skills that the military builds into us. It's not necessarily your ability to use a gun or cut a corner or kick a door down or those things. It's those things within the combat model, within warfare, that make you good at what you do. And it's that industriousness. It's that leadership. It's that drive and that passion that... That made you a good soldier, made you a good Marine, um, all those things. Those are the things that make you good outside of the military. So when you get out, you know, uh, Nate said one mistake we make is like we get out and we think, oh, 
we got a contract because you know that's the only thing that I can do. I can only go over and gun. I can only go over there and shoot and 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 defend and secure. Yeah, that's great if you want to do that. But man, if you want to be a photographer, go be a photographer. If you want to be a firefighter, go be a firefighter. You want to draw, go draw. You want to do film like with zero films, go do film. Um, and those are the things that you know that industriousness is the same thing that makes a guy like. Gee, so creative because in those moments when you're, you know, 10 hours into editing, you go, man, I'm tired, you know, or somebody might go, oh, I'm tired. I, you know, I need to get some rest. G's going to be burning the midnight oil and getting down into the film and going, hey, man, this has to be corrected. This has to be done right because I expect perfection. And, and so those things are the same things that make us really, um, give us the leg up on civilians in, in, um, in that civilian lifestyle. And I think that's a, I think that's actually beautiful. That's the thing we get wrong though, is we get out and we go, Oh, I don't have the skills. I don't have it. Okay. You do have those skills. They're intrinsic. The military built them within you. It might not be, you know, what you think it is, but leadership, industriousness, you know, in the industrial mentality, those things are the things that the military gives you that you can use to get out and be successful. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there are individuals, uh, civilians, and I'm sure there are some uh, veterans who are getting into tapping into this space as well. There are guys who make a lot of money uh, going around talking, right, giving speeches and kind of uh, kind of like life coach type of stuff, um, and and really like inspiring people to do good, right? And the things they all talk about is the things that you guys have been doing for years in the military, right? You know, having that drive, you know, G talked about he was used to zero to a hundred and, and then how you just said, you know, he's, you know, you're 10 hours into editing, you know, maybe you've taken a couple of breaks, but it's late. You're tired. You just want to go to bed. And that 100 in you is going to push you to, to do, to get this task finished. And, you know, people people tap into that and take full advantage of it, advantage of it, because it is important and it is uh, potent. And if you want to be successful at anything in life, you need to have that that drive that, you know, I'm not going to quit attitude. And a lot of veterans have that. A lot of combat veterans have that. A lot of guys in the infantry, uh, they already have that. Was um. Um, that I want to make pretty clear. Now, not everything that we get taught in the military is something bad. I mean, to this day, I still use a lot of traits, a lot of the mindset that I've used uh, in the military. You know, as like you were saying about, you know, having perseverance and getting things done and all that. Those are things that, you you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. That's kind of, I guess, the point that I'm trying to make in a way that you have to, you know, have the good things from what you learned in the military and you can apply them to civilian life. But then there's some things that just don't work. And I think that part is what screws a lot of people over. It's the other half of the things that we, we cannot use in the, um, you know, in the, uh, um, in the civilian world. Like I give you a very broad example. If I'm driving down the street, I get road rage and I'm like, dude, I just want to cross over and just run people over. Now, Rocky, you could probably do that. 
But I'm like, well, I'm not in Iraq anymore. I can't do that, you know? Like, and, <laughs> you know, so it's like. Not when I was in Iraq, brother. <laughs> when you were in Iraq, you could. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I mean? It's just that that kind of deal is like on some things you have to put the brakes on. On some things you have to find a new way to cope with it. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, but because of the military, I've been through a lot of scenarios in life. Um, you know, a lot of, I've overcame a lot of obstacles and uh, and because of the military. So you know, again, I'm just clarifying. It's not that everything you learn in the military you just cannot use in the civilian life, and it's just a bad thing. It's not. There are just some things that are, just don't work, and we want to make them work, right. but there's, they're not yeah. going to work. You know, and then the other side, you know, uh, you know, you can use them to better your life and and do what you do. Right. I guess the part that I'm getting across is just when we get out, you know, sometimes we kind of have we see those guys that, you know, use that crutch and they're like, well, I was in the army. I was in the Marines. So you expect that job to be coming to you. But that's not what made you great at what you did, you know, was looking for a crutch, you know, like what made you great at what you did was doing it on your doing it and being industrious and and uh, and, you know, like my squad leader used to always say, used to always say, take the initiative. You know, you need to be progressive in how you do things and you need to work your butt off and and getting out. You know, something gets lost in that mode. And I did it several times when I got out. I was like, man, you know, I, I'm a veteran. You know, why, why won't I get respect? Man, I tell you what, as soon as you get into that mentality, man, that's that's when you find yourself sitting back on the couch, you know, down in a couple of drinks and, you know, starting to feel bad for yourself. And, and that's a dangerous that's a dangerous uh, mindset that that happens to a lot of guys, you know. <clears throat> hey, G, so you have two trips over into Iraq and uh, when you were over there was when there was some of the the heaviest fighting and, and, uh, that kind of thing. Can you share a story with the audience of, uh, one of your experiences when you were overseas? Yeah, sure. Um, so there, you know, there, there's just a lot of stories, a lot of experiences from over there. Um, but there's one that just kind of comes to mind and it's kind of, uh, I guess it's a realistic humor side to this. So, Long story short, we were in, uh, we just got to Ramadi, uh, and back then in 06, Ramadi was one of the most violent and deadliest places in Iraq, if not the world. I, I read somewhere in Time Magazine that was actually the deadliest city in the world at one point. But in any case, so the operational temp over there was, um, it was very high. Um, the enemy was not afraid to show themselves. Uh, when we got to the city, we literally had about, I want to say, a couple of blocks uh, that, in a way, belonged to us. That was kind of like our green zone, in a way. And uh, the minute you ventured out, if you know you were out there for too long, I mean, the entire city was coming down on you. I mean, you know, you get ambushed and and all the other crazy stuff. So that was just kind of like just the only reason why I mentioned this just to kind of give the level of of intensity and the situation on it, but. So we went out, um, was with, uh, I think we, our platoon actually went out and, uh, came out of the firm base that we were in. Essentially that firm base was, was a cop. I mean, it was pretty much a house that we just told the guy to get the hell out and we put sandbags and machine guns and we just launched patrols out of there. So one morning we're coming out and, uh, as we were patrolling, it's not the regular, back in those days in Ramadi, the regular patrol wasn't walking around and. You had to literally run from one spot to the other because the minute you stopped, something was going to start shooting at you. So 
you know, we were running and doing our thing and we actually get to the uh, Ramadi hospital. And for anybody who's been to Ramadi, I'm sure they had fond memories of that. It's a big, I mean, I think it's like, I don't know, eight, nine stories high. You can't miss it, man. So as we're, you know, there's a huge open parking lot as soon as you come in. And I forget where we were actually going, um, but I know, uh, I don't know if we we're actually going into the hospital or outside, I can't remember, but anyway, so we get into the open parking lot, right? And obviously we all spread out because we don't want to be, you know, um, you know, you want to, you want to be staggered. So in case you take fire and whatnot, uh, it doesn't kill like four dudes in once, right? So I remember vividly as we're walking, it was very quiet. And I'm not going to mention his name because I just, <laughs> if some of that guy's listening, he's like that asshole, dude. So, <laughs> so we had a uh, new guy, um, never deployed. Obviously, that was his first pump. And I remember he was walking kind of on the little bit in the open. And all I remember, like I looked at a corner of my eye and I saw a, um, I saw dust, like something hit him in the flat jacket. I saw the dust like lift off and the kid just dropped, right? So he's yelling. It's like, I'm hit, I'm hit, I'm hit. So we all dive next to this little wall, right? So we're all flat down. We're all trying to figure out what the hell happened because we didn't hear any snaps, any shots, nothing. And he's like, I got shot, I got shot. So we're like, hey, just stay down. And we're thinking, you know, there's some sniper out there. And we're thinking like, what the hell is he using that we're not even hearing it, you know? And uh, my sergeant is looking at me, and he's giving me that look, like, go get him. And I'm like, no, fuck you. You go get him, dude. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what's going on. So we're like, where did it come from? He says, I think it came from the hospital. So as soon as he said that, just picture about 20 guns just pointing at this building, getting ready to just build this building out of the, you know, out of the surface, man. And somebody actually said, got up ran towards the guy and this is all i heard was like get up you bitch and we get up we're trying to figure out what happened right and the guy he was just just he was just like pale and you know we're all trying to figure out what's going on here well what happened was is that there was some iraqi kid in a window and threw a rock at him and just happened to hit him in the flat <laughs> and uh he panicked he just panicked you know <laughs> and uh and we're sitting there. We're like, dude, you need to get shot for real just to make up <laughs> this one, man. But I haven't ever been shot. I don't know what it feels like. You know, I don't know. And and it was just, you know, um, and the reason why I kind of brought that up in a way is to give you a sense of the humor that you need to have when you when you are in a, um, you know, in a uh, life and death situation. I guess you can say, like when you when you don't when you're dealing with death on a daily basis. Um, Humor is something that has been proven on the battlefield to pretty much keep your keep your sanity. You know, you have to. There's nothing you can do about it. You have to laugh at those things. You know, uh, where if that would have happened here in the states, um, you know, God knows what would have happened. You know what I mean? It would have been a serious issue for us. It was like, you know, no big deal. You know, so um, I don't know. That story just kind of came to mind. Um, and uh, sometimes I try to reflect on those kind of instances instead of focusing on just the bad ones or the close calls or, or, uh, you know what I mean? Um, you try to put a, um, you try to think of sometimes the good times that you had in a way, you know, instead of just thinking of the bad ones. But, but yeah, that was just kind of, just kind of one of the many stories, uh, you know, I don't know, just kind of popped into my head to be honest, you know, and I was, I'm just, 
looking back at it, I'm like, you know, that was just just crazy times, man. You know, so you know, it's it's interesting how you mentioned it, and I've heard other guys mention it as well, and I'm sure Tim uh, understands this and and that sort of thing. Is you know, you talk about the need to have some kind of humor when you're in such an intense situation where you're dealing with life and death all the time, right? And to me, that just is just a reminder of the balance that is required, you know, in life, you know, your things are always close calls. You know, you're, you got to watch out for snipers. You got to watch out for IEDs, uh, for an ambush. And, and that kind of thing always has you on edge. Your testosterone is always, you know, on a hundred, you're always alert. And, uh, you know, obviously that, that could have, uh, I guess that can have a negative effect or, or really a tiring effect on your brain. Right. But in order to balance that out, you guys have a a sense of humor that's almost unmatched, and and that kind of keeps the balance. And that's it's just some, it's just an interesting thing that when you said it, that's what what came to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite things, and and I love that story, G. It reminds me of uh, when we had we we were doing something like gate guard or something. Me and my buddies had just come off a of gate and it just, it just makes me think about how you handle situations so much differently over there than, you know, I'd been in like multiple fist fights since our tour had started, you know, just, just guys messing around, you get a little hot, you know, it's 185 degrees outside and yeah. you know, everything's just ridiculous. You know, you're, you're, you're on edge. You got your adrenaline pumping. It's just a big boys club. And, and I remember, coming off a gate my buddy Haynes I squirted him with this stupid little water pistol I always kept in my thing and he goes Kolzak if you squirt me with that one more time I'm gonna knock your ass out and I just looked at of course I squirted him and he comes over and just punched me in the face and I get up and I go and they, and he he looks like he's bracing for a fight you know and I go dude did you really just punch me in the face because I squirted you and we just looked at each other and just started laughing man he passes me a rat he's like hey clean up your nose you're bleeding a little and man it was like nothing bro it's like if that had happened back here it would have been a big issue the cops would have come like you know there it's like that's just part of the boys club man like i didn't i didn't even i didn't even fight him after that i was just like dude like it didn't even matter you know it wasn't even that big of a deal it's just those moments man were some of my favorite though when i look back i miss that part of just being able to like handle your problems or issues that way you know part of me misses that right and, and almost like not give a fuck about it you know it's like whatever yeah like, you know. yeah tree yeah. line counseling man there you go yep yeah yeah, man. Uh, there were plenty of instances where that situation turned very badly, but, you know, Haynes was one of my good buddies, and, and I knew he was hot, so I was just like, all right, man, I'm going to take that hit and let it go, <laughs> and we just laughed about it, so, yeah, mm-hmm. man. Um, you know, something I want to talk about, you know, and getting into is the, the other side of that, G. You know, you, you get out, you've gone on, you know, you're in Ramadi and Fallujah, you know, two of the hottest places on earth, um, you know, and, and over there and everything's so intense. And then, then all of a sudden you're out. And I know what that feels like, you know, where you go from basically 100 to zero, and especially in your instance of, of those two places. So can you talk a little bit about the transition and what that was like for you? Uh, leaving the Marine Corps because obviously it's a very big part of what I do with the Veterans Project is especially with the you know Marines, Army, Infantry, Special Forces guys are going high tempo and then all of a sudden it's just like we get out and it's like boom all of a sudden you're sitting in traffic 
and you know and your biggest issue is waiting in a grocery store in line you know that's your biggest complaint about your day so so what was that transition uh like for you can you talk about that yeah um so let me see i'm trying to figure out where to where to really start with this but uh I guess the whole um, getting out and, and actually have the thinking like, man, I'm actually going to get out and go into the civilian life kind of started about eight, six, seven months before I actually did get out. And I was talking to a buddy of mine who he was in my squad. He got wounded uh, in during uh, doing one of the uh, firefights and whatnot. And then um, anyways, he, he got out and uh, he asked me, he's like, hey, I heard you getting out. I said, yeah. And he's like you know, have you thought about checking into the VA? And I says, why? I was like, the VA. I was like, that's for old people. And I was like, I'm not disabled. I don't need a VA. He says, well, don't be stupid, dude. You know, just, just, just get checked. You never know. I said, fine. So I did, I did all the medical stuff, you know, just the basic stuff. And essentially he just kind of took my medical record from when I first came in, came in and compared to the, to the, the last one I did. And they were just like, well, this is you and this is you now. And, uh, it kind of, had me hit me a little bit because it was like oh you're back and hearing and this and this and this and that when i never felt any different because you know you're surrounded by this like guys who are just fucked up as you you just don't even realize it you know what i mean it's not that big of a deal if your back hurts that's not a big deal everybody's back is hurting you know pop a motor and go um so that was kind of like my first introduction to be like okay you know there is another side to this you know so I did. I did the VA and everything. And I remember vividly, um, I was very excited to get out. You know, I mean, who isn't, you know? Um, and I tried to plan for it. I said, you know, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to figure something out, you know? And uh, I remember the very first feeling felt like, you know, the world is open for me. Like I can just take over the world tomorrow, man. This is going to be a new thing. I'm so excited about life. I'm going to pick up where I left off. Everything's going to be awesome. And I tried to do that, um, and that feeling lasted about two, three months, and then you know the nightmares started coming, and the depression started coming, and the, you know the just the weird anger started coming out, and I couldn't figure out what that was, and then I talked to a therapist, and well they're like it's PTSD, and I said well what the hell is PTSD, you know, and so that kind of started the whole you know the everything just started getting worse because essentially what it was it was a wall. That you built up over time, and then it just—it's gonna come down on you. And 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 after three or four months, it did, you know. And I started drinking, and then I got divorced, and then I lost my job, and everything just kind of went on a spiral. But then I was okay. I need to pick myself back up. I need to move on. And uh, so I used those skill sets that I learned in the military to be, you know, to suck it up and move on, and to get things done, and to have things accomplished. So I kind of had my life pictured. Kind of like, you know, checkpoints, you know, uh, checkpoint one, two, three, and everything was planned. Everything was coordinated. I never, you know, realized how it could affect me when, you know, you know what they say, like shit happens, you know, things happen in life. I didn't accept that. I didn't. And it pissed me off and it made me worse because, again, I was either I accomplished the mission or I'm a complete failure. There's no in between. And I struggled with that a lot and it just made my life extremely hard, you know. And then as I was going to school, I tried to be social. I talked about Iraq. I did, you know. I wasn't really like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. I did. I didn't really, you know, because I figured people were open-minded. But it wasn't. It backfired even more and it closed closed me up more and more and more to the point where I literally 
severed any kind of connection with pretty much anybody. I mean, I would go weeks without even uttering a single word, you know, and and you just fall into that, putting a mask on. And then, you know, you just live within yourself. You know, I had the mentality that I said, if the world ends tomorrow and I'm the last guy on earth, I don't care. I'm going to survive. I'm going to make it happen. And uh, so I had that inner strength as I was kind of tapping into my reserve side I guess you can say my reserve tank, you know, to move forward. Um, and, um, you know, and I've had a lot of great times. Don't get me wrong. I had a lot of experiences, but the biggest issue for me was finding direction, was finding uh, a reason to be alive, you know. And then you had conflict, you, you're conflicting yourself with the guilt and conflicting yourself with, man, I want to go back to Iraq. And I know Tim, he mentioned one thing, which was, uh, hit me hit me pretty good when he was talking about, oh, I want to go contract and go back to Iraq because that's the only thing I felt. That's the only thing I'm good at. And and I went to that too. Like I was just like, maybe I need, maybe that's the only job I can do is be a contractor and all that. And, uh, and, and luckily, I mean, it didn't really happen. I mean, I got picked up by TC and um, it was just a long process with the, uh, with the clearance. And then, you know, I kind of, when that didn't go through, I just, I just scraped it. I said, you know what, maybe I just need to forget about Iraq and move on. But that was 10 years down the road. But there was just a lot of ups and downs. But the, when I hit the downs, they were lower than before. And then I would climb back up and then it would just lower than before, you know. So that's a struggle that I went through. And uh, and it's looking back, it's just been a wild roller coaster ride. It felt like some, it felt like to me getting out of the military is kind of like I want to say like the epicenter of my life where it's a dividing point where – I had one life, the military, and now I had my post-military life, you know. And what I'm trying to do now is to put another boundary where it's like I have my post-military life and now I got my actual life, you know. Um, but uh, that was my thing. It was just kind of – I was trying to make do with what I could, you know. I didn't have, you know, direction. I think the only person that kept me balanced was my therapist, you know. I had a really good relationship with her. She was awesome. She kept me on track. She made sense of a lot of things that were going on with me because I needed answers. I needed to know what the hell is going on. Why am I feeling this, you know? And uh, and a lot of parts, you know, it was just like, you know, then I felt in the bad habits. I was a gambler and then I was a drinker and then it was, you know, strippers and prostitutes and any vice that I could get to get my mind off, anything I could do to get to feel validated um, in what was happening. And then as time went on, I realized that I'm never going to go back and kick doors down and be awesome and hang around with the guys and, and do what that's just, you know, I, I didn't want to let go of the past. And that's what screwed me up the most. Uh, it's letting go, you know, so that kind of in a nutshell has been what my coming out of, you know, coming out of the military has been. And I'm sure, it's, you know, um, it's been different for other people. Even when we did the, um, the, the for Zero Films, we did the door gunner. He had. I mean, the guy coming out of the military, the guy had a horrible experience. He's been through a lot of things, even more than Vietnam. And then the other guy that we interviewed, another Vietnam veteran that he was appointed in, in Vietnam, he's been through all kinds of hell, got out. He's like, yeah, I, I had no issues. I moved on and I was fine. You know, so it's, uh, you know, some guys get out and they're fine and they just move on, you know, and they deal with it in a different way. That was just my personal experience with just getting out. And, uh, you know, and I'm trying to make amends for it and and, you know. And uh, and just live a better life, you know. 
So, so when you stepped into that space, you know, what, what was the, that like for you where, where you realized, you know, where you realized you did need help and how important is that? Uh, you know, because we have that mentality, obviously, you, know, you being in the infantry and all that, where you get out and it's kind of like weak to go to the, you know, to go to the TMC. It's weak to, you know, admit that you need help, you know, um, you know, how important is it to, to realize that, you know, you said your therapist helped you so much. How important was it for you to realize that you did need that help? Uh, it, it's extremely important, man. And you, and you're completely right. You know, it goes back to the mindset where it's like, you know, you don't need to ask for help. You need to suck it up. You need to move on. You need to, you know, you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like you're going to be, you, you, you know, you're a bitch or a pussy if you ask for this and all that. That's just the mentality of it. Um, but getting out of in civilian life, like I realized, uh, how, uh, asking for help, I wish I would have asked for help earlier. I'll put it that way. Uh, it would have saved me a lot of headaches. It would have saved me uh, a lot of time, a lot of heartbreaks, a lot of uh, just a lot of issues, you know, because I didn't accept the fact that I needed help in any way. You know, I didn't accept the fact that it was a right to cry once in a while. You know, I didn't accept the fact that it was a right to fail once in a while. So uh, asking for help, it is huge. And I'll tell you what I discovered from that is when I actually asked for help and, it, and I had to go to the the lowest point in my life to finally ask for it, where it could have been completely prevented it. When I asked for help, I realized how many people wanted to help me in the first place. I just never gave them the chance to do it. You know, like I would sit there and with friends or family or whatever. And I'm like, man, they don't care, dude. They don't give a shit. They're moving on with their life. You know, I'm dealing with this. They're not blah, 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 blah. It wasn't that. It was because I never said anything, you know, I hid everything deep down inside and they didn't know how to ask, Hey, you need a hand, you need help. You know, they just didn't know how to do it. I remember, I remember when I got back from the war, my parents just looked at me really weird. Not because like, Oh my God, he's all, it was just kind of like, they didn't know how to act. They were like, what do we tell them? Like, how do we, so they're trying to like, well, let's try to pick up where we left off. You know, um, they didn't want to deal with that, but not because they didn't care. They just did not handle it. So it kind of created a divide by asking for help. It's huge. But the other thing, too, you got to ask for help to the right people. You know what I mean? I've asked for help with the wrong people, and that backfired completely, and it made me close up even more. It made me distrust society. Uh, but I had to learn to trust people. I had to learn to – I have to be vulnerable. I have to be exposed. I have to accept the fact that people can't fuck me over. I can't – you know, um, sometimes not everything can be a calculated risk. There's no way. Sometimes you have to take a chance. You know, you have to be out there. And what happened with me is uh, I had a, an event that happened, which I had to go to the hospital for. And uh, I remember vividly uh, I had I went to the VA, the uh, the ER, the EMS brought me to the VA. And I remember vividly. This male nurse, and I think, Tim, I know I taught you about this. This male nurse comes up, and I'm in the bed. I'm all strapped with all this stuff. He says, everybody needs to get out. I need to talk to this guy. And I'm thinking, like, what the hell is going on, right? And he grabs my hand. I, and mind you, I, I don't even know who this guy is. Never met. I have no idea. All I know that uh, eventually I found out he was a veteran, too. He grabs my hand, and he says, bro, he's like, um, he's like, uh, 
I understand what you're going through. And the minute he said that, I just started bawling, dude, completely. And, uh, I mean, they had to give me, like, pills to calm down. And he looked at me. He's like, dude, how long have you been holding this in? And I said, I don't know, man, 10 years, 12, I don't know, man. i never done it, you know. And, uh, and at that point in time, I had the only people that cared were my mom, dad, my best friend, and my wife. That was it. Out of all the people that I've met in 10 years of my life, between jobs and traveling and this and all that, the four people that stuck it out with me to my darkness to my darkest times were right there with me the whole time. You know? And it just made me realize a lot of things, man. It made me realize I'm like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like, what am I doing? I missed out on so many opportunities. I missed out on so many moments that I could have had, you know, because I was so focused on what I needed to do in 20 years. And I was so focused on what I thought was going to make me happy, right? Even if I would have reached that, by the time I got to it, it would have been burned out. You know, I was living, I had to make just these these alternate realities just because I did not want to accept the reality that I was living in. You know what I mean? And I'll tell you this, what I'm telling you right now, a lot of guys won't say it. And to me, uh, I'll say it because you know what? If somebody hears what I'm just what I'm saying, maybe they'll be like, "Fuck, dude! Maybe I need to reevaluate my thinking in my life a little bit. Maybe I need to ask for help." You know, um, because if everybody keeps their mouth, if you put everybody in a room and everybody has the same problem but nobody talks, then everybody has the problem. You got to have a person that, that needs to open up and needs to say, "Hey, dude, I got this problem." You know, and then the guy's, "Hey, dude, I got this problem too." And then actually, you know, you're figuring out a solution. You're figuring out, a, you know, uh, what you can do to deal with this. You know what I mean? And that's what led me to to try other things, to be more open-minded, like yoga and meditating and writing shit down and whatever, which I thought if you would have told me this 10 years ago, I'm like, dude, get the hell out of here, dude. I need to lift. I need to go to the gym. Fuck it. I need, I need to do man shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and it goes back to the balance, dude. I'm serious. It goes back to what John was saying about the balance. It does. That... Um, you have to be open-minded to certain things, dude, you know, and I could care less what people think about me. If it makes me, if it helps me to live a better life, dude, I'll do it. I don't give a shit. You know, I really don't. And, uh, I'm not here, you know, to me, there's not a judgment and all that. Um, and, uh, you know, the gym is another big thing to help me get through a lot of things. Huge. You know what I mean? Huge. And when I stopped that, I felt how much I needed it, you know? Um, so it was just, you know, when that event happened to me a couple of years ago is it uh, it literally put a lot of perspective. I had to do a lot of soul searching. And that's when my military mindset just completely failed on me because everything that I thought it was going to be, oh, uh, this is my coping mechanisms. I can deal with this. It wasn't working anymore. But that's the only mentality that I knew. You know, that was it. Right. You know, so um, but yeah, and I'm just telling you all this just just very candid, very raw, dude, you know, very raw. Absolutely. And, and so then you, you know, you've got this successful company now, obviously with Zero Foxtrap, but um, it wasn't always that way, was it? I mean, you had to, you had to get into this, you know, you had to find out what worked and what didn't work. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that? Yeah, of course, man. Um, so I started this, uh, here's the deal. I didn't even start this company because I'm like, oh God, I want to make a business, you know, let me, this is my business plan. This is what I'm going to, it just did it. I just, it just happened, you know? And I learned a lot of things along the way, um, and I did it in a time where I was literally calling hotlines just to keep, you know, just to live another day. You know what I mean? Um, but I was determined. I was focused to make that I could do better. I was full. I knew that I was put on this earth to do something 
just just better than what I'm doing right now. You know, that I knew it and I was like, I need to work on it. And you're right. I was working a full-time job and I was focusing on this. I remember I was, I was packing bags in my bedroom coming out of, you know, working eight hours, you know, and, and I really sank my heart into it. I remember sitting there writing all the addresses and, and, and just watching videos and learning things and talking to people and, and just kind of evolve it. And to this day, you know, people are like, oh, man, you, you're on your own business. You know, you, you got a maid. Nah, dude, I'm still working 18, 19 hours a day, dude. You know, I haven't taken a vacation in like six years, you know, I mean, to the point where I'm neglecting even my personal life. You know, um, I put a lot of you got to what you put into it in your business is what you're going to get out of it. And if it doesn't yeah. work out, then you got to find another way. And if that doesn't work, then it means you're meant to do something else. dude. That's that, you know, but. The passion and the drive and the commitment. I see a lot of businesses, they start, they think they got it made, and then boom, they, everything just collapses, right, the next day. You know, because they tend to forget where they came from. They tend to forget what kind of work they want to put into it. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't hire people to do your work. Heck yeah. You know, like I started hiring people just to do my daily operations so I can focus on the bigger aspects of the business and, and focus on different ventures like working with Tim and Zero Films Productions and, and, and doing other things, you know what I mean? Because that's what I enjoy doing. Um, you know, I've never worked so hard. You know, I've never worked harder than I did for my business and for anybody else. That's just the bottom line, you know, but I'm also willing to accept the consequences. And uh, but, yeah, you got to put it in, man. You got to. You know, don't let the negative people bring you down. Don't don't ever let listen to anybody say, oh, my, you can't do that. Because when they say that is because they failed in life and they want to transmit the same insecurity to you. If you believe in something, you think you're good at it, do it. Same thing with zero films, dude. I didn't know crap about editing and, and productions and JR, same deal. Like we didn't know anything about movie making, and we still don't. But you know what? We had a passion, we had the mission, and uh we did it. You know what I mean? We're doing, we're trying our best. You know, we we're learning We're you know, the, you, you, you can learn all the technical skills in life, but you cannot learn passion. You cannot learn work ethics. You just can't, you know, brother, so. when I'm so glad you're saying that because, you know, when I first picked up my camera, really first time I ever picked up a camera was pretty much when I started the project. I didn't even know what F stop was. I didn't know about aperture. I didn't know about shutter speed. I learned all that stuff along the way. And see, John, these this is these are the reasons we connect. After we got done, you know, after I was over at G's house this week and after we got done um, watching the Princess Diaries and baking each other cookies, <laughs> um, um, uh, you know, we uh, one of the one of the best things was just that I saw when I was watching their documentary was just the passion that went into it. JR goes, oh, yeah, uh, we just kind of started filming, you know, right before we did this. We didn't really know anything about it. And I remember Nate, my brother, Nate Boyer, looking over at me and going, that was a rough cut. <laughs> Shut the hell up, man. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. everybody was in tears in the audience, man. And I didn't plan on going up there and talking about Alfred already in tears. I knew I would cry when I talked about him. But I get there, and I look down at Nate, and he's already got tears coming out of his eyes. And I was like, 
I was like, you know, just just that connection, that passion and quality of work is what connected me to these guys. Because remember, I told you I was like pessimistic when I came into the circle. I was like, why are these guys doing it? You know, who knows the passion they have? They don't know what it's like to sleep in their car at day, you know, West Texas truck stops where you don't know if it's, uh, you know, safe to use the bathroom. <laughs> like, you know, like they don't know what that feeling is like. And you know what? They do, brother. Like I step into that circle and immediately I recognize, you know, I see G and he's got that passion. I see JR and he's got that passion, that fire building within. And it's nothing about it is on is unauthentic. Nothing about it is fake or false. And that's what I love, the humility and the passion that goes into the storytelling, not going, where's my return? How come I'm not getting anything out right. of it? Because we get into that a little bit into this in this circle, bro. Like there is a little bit of that going around where, you know, we're like, okay, we expect some return. We need some return on investment. I mean, um, you know, one of my buddies says it best. We're kind of we're kind of spoiled that way. You know, we think, oh, if I do this, I deserve this. No, man. No part of the Veterans Project is and will ever be about what did I get in return? What did I get back? And that's the same thing I see with Zero Films is the the commitment to story and the humility. And the return of that is a guy like Nate standing up there and going, man, JR, I just met him a couple days ago and I already love this dude. You know, I've known Tim for eight months and I already see that I love the I, I, I know him and I love him. But I see JR for three days and I realize how much he loves our brothers through that film. And I see true passion in the quality of what they're doing so nothing beats passion bro because and i I can tell you because the technical side of things they didn't know you know i knew more about i knew more about um you know uh g in that mode you know where where uh hey can you cut it uh my dog is barking like crazy sorry no it's good it's good keep it rolling man okay um hold on let me let her out real quick Sorry, bros. Um, okay, are you rolling still? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, I saw something in that commitment to to passion and work ethic. And I, I mean, quite honestly, I probably knew more about editing than G did. That's all I did in my four years of broadcasting school, you know, through my bachelor's. But, man, you want to talk about a commitment to excellence and just seeing that on screen, I go, dude – I couldn't have made that film in 10 years. <laughs> like, like there, there was just this excellence there and it, and it was obvious in the passion. And that's how the two of us connect together is we is, is really that passion. Um, the three right. of us really they are. And, and it's beautiful, man. That's, that's what I love about what G is doing with uh, zero films. Yeah. And well, it you goes know, the same for you, man. Yeah, same deal. And and I'm glad that you guys brought that specific aspect of it up because, you know, like you said, that's what drew you to G and, and to JR. And honestly, it's what, Tim, it's what drew me to you and then what drew me to G, you know what I mean? Because in order to be successful at anything that is important, you know, something like getting stories out, you know, I, I've been able to build a platform where veterans can talk and get their stories out. It, you need to have that passion and it needs to be the, what you're doing needs to be bigger than yourself. And when it's bigger than yourself and you do it for other people, that's when it becomes really amazing. You know, a, a guy won the Congressional Medal of Honor because he jumped on a grenade 
and took the the blast so that his brother wouldn't get hit with the grenade. And he won the Medal of Honor, right? That's how we we honor people, you know. You you did something that was completely selfless, you know. Uh, these guys didn't know anything about editing, but they knew that they wanted to tell these stories no matter what. So what happens? Because they have this passion and this drive, and it's not about them, they learn the editing as if they're professionals. And then now they're putting out videos. And if if he said, oh, you know. He, he he talked to someone he never spoke to before. Yeah, you know, I just kind of figured that out and, and boom, that's what we got. They look at him like, that's impossible because this is like a professional production. <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? And and But that's what it is. The process is important. You know, the end game is important. So you will learn these things. And, and it's just so interesting hearing you guys talk about that. I'm like, that's the same way I learned it. You know, like I, I when I did the podcast, uh. You know, I was having a conversation and then boom, all right, let's do a podcast. Okay, boom. How are we going to do this? Uh, I don't know. I'll get Adobe and let me see if I can learn the Adobe. You know, two, three days later, I know how to edit audio now, you know, and but th- that is just so funny. Like when you guys were talking, it just reminded me of how I started doing this and, and, and how I started to learn video editing and, and all these kind of things, you know, and um, I just want people listening to understand that. When you find something that you're passionate about and, you know, it's either to accomplish a goal you have or, you know, to honor sacrifices that somebody's made for you or, you know, that kind of thing. When it's bigger than yourself, nothing can stop you. And, you know, if that means learning how to fucking write Japanese in order to get to where you got to go, then that's what you're going to do. And these guys are proof of that. And uh, I'm just glad that you guys are able to uh, share that. Yeah, man. And and one thing that I want to say is, John, is, you know, immediately when I stepped into, you know, when you invited me to co-host on this podcast, I think it was about six months ago or so now. Um, but when you invited me, I, I kind of had this skeptical, you know, like, who's this civilian, you know, talking on air, like, you know, who about our stories and telling our stories. And, and uh, you know, I went to Nate and I was like, oh, you know, do you think I should do this and try this out? You know, I don't think I've ever even told you this, John. But, you know, Nate's like, bro, yeah, try it. Why not, man? He goes, John's a good guy man you know you'll go on there and give a shot and if you don't like it you don't like it and if you do you do and i stepped in and i i noticed immediately how much you cared about us and that right there brother is so powerful because honestly civilians you, you know it's also one of the reasons i gave you a chance is because you know gave this a chance is because you're a civilian because i want to build that bridge across the way to civilians and so the you know you guys don't have to care and so when you do it's even that much more powerful because it's like oh man this guy is committed to excellence and and i think that's a cool thing when you meet like if you're doing things for the right reasons and and you can attest to this g if you're doing things for the right reasons you're gonna meet like-minded people who are doing it for the right reasons as well right brother i mean isn't that what it's all about it is oh yeah dude i i yeah you do like on point with everything man uh you're right man i mean you gotta passion will be will drive you to be alongside other other people that have the same passion as you. And, and along the way, you're also going to chuck out a lot of dudes that just don't need to be in your life. You know, and I'm sure everybody on here at one point in time, they've had people that they're like, you know what, we met, but you're just not a good fit in my life. Do you need, you know what I mean? I need to move on or, or whatever. And then you kind of keep going until, you know, now I met, you know, Tim and I'm, you know, with John and John also, the other thing I wanted to say too is, uh, uh I don't think I've probably ever said it, but, 
um, thank you for what you're doing, you know, and just, just what Tim said, you know, you, uh, you don't have to do what you do, but you do, you know, and, and I think that's, I respect the shit out of it because, uh, you, you take the time to, to, uh, to showcase these stories, to have these current events, to, um, to bring out a light on the veteran world where a lot of people have a huge, huge misconception about, um, and uh, I, like I said, I, I definitely applaud your efforts to do what you do. And, uh, and you know, and I see your followers, they grow. And, you know, your podcasts always have interesting, one interesting person after the other. Um, you're doing a great, great thing, man. And obviously, I'm always going to have your back, dude. I'm always going to support what you're doing, um, you know. And uh, so if, if there's always anything you ever need, I mean – you know, you just let me know, man, you know? So, um, thank you, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, what you, you know, what you're hitting on G is this, you know, there's that refinement process, right. And that's, that's also part of, I think, uh, part of, uh, Bushido and, 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 you know, in that refining the circle and making sure you're, you're, you know, your passion is linear, you're going the right way with it and bringing the proper people into the circle that need to be there. And, and again, like G is saying, G, G we had this discussion over the weekend, right? We're like, Oh, John, you know, man, dude is solid, man. You know, I'm, you know, yeah. he's, he's a, he's a, he's a terrible person, but he's a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, but you know, the yeah. thing is, we really did come together, bro. And we're like, John, you know, that dude is solid and he's doing our community is solid by doing this podcast and by passionately and authentically caring yeah. about the stories getting out there, not just doing it to capitalize on, on whatever, because you wouldn't have to do that. You could go find something else, but you're coming into our circle and we, we appreciate that, man. Just like my buddy, uh, Blake, who's made my logos and done so much work for me, man. Like, you know, and thanklessly, no more money, no nothing, just comes in and helps me out because he wants to. I mean, he's a civilian. He's never served, man. But people like that are invaluable. And what you got going with this podcast is huge, man. It's 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 helpful for me to get the project out there. Um, and I know it's going to be helpful for, it's helpful for G as well um, in our missions and our creative arts uh, because we need that, man. We need that help. Agreed. Yep. Yeah, man. It's all, all good stuff, man. And it, it's funny just because it's a big giant love fest up in here, brother. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it's good stuff, man. And you know, I what I want people to take away from what I do individually, like not bigger picture stuff, is just you know, like the work, the work ethic, and and to work hard, you know, and and uh, you know, what's underrated, I think, especially for like teenagers. Not not all. Some people figure it out faster than others, but. You know, what's underrated is, um, you know, being a good person at all times, uh, doing the right thing, even when people aren't watching you. And once yep. you understand that, that's when you can really, like, focus and take yourself to a, a whole nother level. You know, when you are committed to something, regardless if anyone's there or not, like, I started my day at 5 a.m., it's 6.30 right now. Once we get off, I'm going to edit for another three hours. And this is something that I do every single week. And it's like, if you don't have that kind of dedication, you're just not going to succeed. Or, or it maybe won't last you, long. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe you'll succeed, but, you know, like you said, it, it won't really last. So, you know, that's my thing. 
if if you can take away one thing from what I do personally, I just hope that you need like you can understand. Hey, if if I want to do something, I got to work my ass off because somebody out there is is working as hard or harder. And if I don't keep up, I'm gonna get left behind. You know. Yep. And G, and G, the part that they're not seeing um, right now is they're not, and, and John as well, the part that they're not seeing is the texts that go out to G or the texts that go out to you and go, man, I can't believe this. You know, I can't believe what I'm dealing with right now. The complaints, you know, the, the hard parts of what right. we do and, the, right. and those, and those down moments, man, like I've got them too. Yeah. You know that John, I mean, I texted you last night about some stuff, you know, yeah. like, you know, there are moments, man, where you're like, man, this is tough, man. I, but, yeah. but you know, the, end game is the passion and pursuing it no matter what i mean i'm sure you've had those moments too g where you're just like oh man, yeah bro like i don't get this man i don't i don't know how i'm gonna get over this hump with this story right. or it, with how yeah. i'm doing it and and yeah. sometimes you're just like you know what i just want to fucking quit and not worry about this shit. <laughs> you're right you know? you're right yeah. but but you know something everybody everybody hits that line it's the differences the ones that do quit and the ones that don't you know so that's that's the uh, the big difference that separates a lot of people, you know. Uh, I mean, I've come, you know, I, I shit, man. I mean, I've had my moments where I'm like, man, screw what I'm doing, dude. This is not worth it. Um, and then it's like, you know what? No, I need to do this, and this is why, and I need to do this for the right reasons, and I need to move on and right. and and keep going with it, you know. So it's just the perseverance, um, and that's what it is, man. Everybody, it's a right to fall down on one knee. But then you got to get back up and you got to and if you can't, then, you know, ask for help and, you know, it goes back into asking for help, you know, or if you can't find it within yourself, ask somebody to to help you out, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so t- touching on the uh, the dedication in the long hours, <laughs> I think it's time we close this out so that right on I can uh, edit this and get it up tonight, man. OK, yeah, man. Cool, brother. Sounds so, great. Um, so, guys, can you just drop, like, social media, websites, and uh, things like that so people, the audience, can uh, check you guys out? Yeah, hit it up. Okay, brother. Um, so, if you go over to uh, the I just veteran- want to say, I was going to say, I knew both of you guys were going to say, Tim, go ahead, and uh, G, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the mutual courtesy, bro. Yeah, bro. That's huge, man. That's a huge part of what we're doing, man. Got to, got to stay. Got to be the humble warrior, brother. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you go to Instagram um, at the Veterans Project, uh, Facebook is the Veterans Project. If you go to the website, it's thevetsproject.com. And my buddy Blake, hard work, put passion and perseverance into my app. Uh, if you go to the iTunes Store or Google Play, you will find the Veterans Project app. And they ju- he just loaded the latest story on Staff Sergeant Justin Bohannon. Great guy, great warrior. Uh, he was a rock son, uh, did a couple tours of Iraq, um, you know, lost some close friends to him. Um, just a great warrior and, and someone who owns a very successful nonprofit right now. He's living in Austin. Um, another great dude um, who I'm very passionate about, and I'm glad I get to share his story. His story story is up on the blog right now as well as the app so go check all that out guys uh twitter is project underscore veteran right on uh so my end uh, website is www.zerofoxtrot.com uh go check out you know we got a uh, awesome gear all american made none of that jane fonda communist shit and, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> then we uh for Instagram it's Zulu Fox Z U L U F U C X S at uh for Instagram. I have no Twitter or Pinterest or anything like that. And then for Zero Films Productions, uh Facebook, Zero Films Productions, IG, Zero Films Productions, and then YouTube, Zero Films Productions. So that's we put all our trailers and uh, keep everybody posted. So no Pinterest, bro. Where's your game at, man? Everybody's got a Pinterest. <laughs> <Fuck> you, <man. laughs> I, I tried, man. I tried to do my Pinterest, and they uh, they actually blocked me for it. So <laughs> I can't I imagine like, why, brother. <laughs> well, I guess I guess like severed communist heads doesn't count. You know, so. But yeah. All right, cool, man. You know, it, it was great having you guys on, man. I enjoy. I really enjoyed doing this shit. Um, you know. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I appreciate everything you guys done. Uh, you know, as always, I want to thank you guys for your service to the country and then for what you guys are doing post-military and, uh, keep it up, man. Thanks, John. It's an honor, brother. It's an honor. Thank you, John. Yep. All right, guys. Peace. You know, I really appreciate a guy like G having the experiences he's had in combat in the Marine Corps to then come out and successfully run a, a business that he built from scratch and then to have him openly talk about some of his lowest points and his struggles. And I think there's almost no value that you can place on that because he is opening up and, you know, showing you the, the, like the real raw shit, like not the, uh, you know, not, not what you expect, not the typical, Oh, you know, things were bad or, oh, I got out and I started this business and things are great. You get both sides of the coin. And, you know, I really appreciate that Gio was able to share that with you. And and hopefully veterans who are going through a struggle or guys who are thinking about getting out and thinking about what the future is going to bring and hold, you can take from a guy like G who's been through some very extreme situations in combat who's been through some very extreme lows when he's gotten out because he's not sure now how he's going to proceed. And, you know, like he was saying, he had that zero to a hundred mindset, you know, either it works or it doesn't work. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but he's learned patience. He's learned to take things step by step and to have balance. And, and that's so important in life. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys can appreciate it and take away from it. I enjoy doing it as always. You know, check out my website. It's globalrecon.net. Check out my Instagram. It's IG Recon. Second account is Black Ops Matter. Check out Mission Underscore Critical. It's ran by my friend Chantal Taylor, but I'm also on there posting from time to time. Check out on Twitter. It's IG Recon. If you want to connect on a professional network so it's global recon on linkedin as always i'd like you to subscribe download share the episodes with your friends and family to help us continue to stay at the top of the itunes government and national categories and that way it'll be easier to continue to bring you guys high quality content peace successful in the <laughs> Chinese movies are full of this kind of action anyway they needed a guy like you could violence man <laughs> so you didn't have to use a double when you moved into the motion no, picture no. world here you did it all yourself can you break five or six uh, pieces of wood with your hand or your foot I'll probably break my hand and foot <laughs> <laughs>
But tell me a little bit. Uh, you set up a school in Hollywood, didn't you, for people like yes. uh, James Garner and Steve McQueen and the others? Yes. Why would they want to learn Chinese martial art? Because of a movie role? Not really. I mean, uh, most of them, you see, uh, to me, uh, at least the way that when, I mean, when I teach it, all type of knowledge ultimately means self knowledge. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they are coming in to. I mean, for, and ask me to teach them not so much of how to defend themselves or how to do somebody in. Rather, they want to learn to express themselves through some movement, be it anger, be it uh, determination, or whatsoever. So, in other words, what I'm saying, therefore, is that he is paying me to show him, in combative form, the art of expressing the human body. Which is acting in a sense, isn't it? Well, or it would be a useful tool for an actor to have. It's. A... I mean, I might. It, it might sound too philosophical, but it's unacting, acting, or acting, unacting. If you, you've lost me. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh... So what I'm saying, actually, you see, I mean, it's a combination of both. I mean, here it is the natural instinct, and here is control. You are to combine the two in harmony. Not if you have one to the extreme, you will be very unscientific. If you have another to the extreme, you become all of a sudden a mechanical man, no longer a human being. So you, it is a successful combination of both. So therefore, it is not only. I mean, so therefore, it's not pure naturalness or unnaturalness. The ideal is unnatural naturalness or natural unnaturalness. <laughs> Ying Yang, eh? You're right, man. That's it. <laughs>